Welcome to the Banking on Business podcast presented by Horicon Bank. Banking on Business is aimed at helping entrepreneurs grow their business with practical strategies you can start using today. We are all about engaging our local business community and connecting with other small businesses to raise each other up. Hosted by yours truly, Grace Bruins, marketing officer at Horicon Bank, turned podcaster, at least for the next 20 minutes. Welcome to the Banking on Business podcast presented by Horicon Bank. Today, we are talking with Terry Herman, owner of Charisma Q, and we're going to talk about your story starting and growing this business, really finding a niche in this business and teaching charisma, which by the way, I had no idea you could teach. So I'm very curious to learn about that today. Absolutely. So welcome, Terry. I'm excited you're here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Well, let's let our listeners get to know you just a little bit better with a rapid fire intro to the expert. All right. This is our rapid fire intro to the expert. I fire off the questions and you answer as quickly as you can. Are you ready to play? I'm ready. All right. Where are you from? Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And before Charisma Q, what were you doing? I was a software as a service SaaS marketing executive. So I worked for a talent acquisition technology company. That is an interesting jump to what you're doing now. It is an interesting jump. I decided I was at a point in my life where I've led teams, I've worked for individuals, I've served on the executive team, and I wanted to make the jump into entrepreneurship. That's awesome. Uh, I forgot that this was rapid. So let me get back to that. Um, (laughs) What's your favorite part of what you do every day at Chris McHugh? I think my favorite part is getting to hear the member wins and the member stories. And what is one movie that you could watch every day? Hmm. Steel Magnolias. I like that. Mine's You've Got Mail. Oh, that's a good one too. (laughs) And what's your favorite holiday tradition? Favorite holiday tradition is one decorating with my daughter the day after Thanksgiving. So we decorate the whole house. We have like four Christmas trees. And then Christmas morning, we all have matching jammies and we just spend the whole day together and make breakfast and watch a Christmas story over and over and over again. Oh, I love that. Sometimes it's those little things, those moments that are just huge memory makers. Mm -hmm. And I think you have to be intentional about them, right? Like... We're going to do it. We're going to do the Christmas jammies every year. You definitely have to be intentional. Yes. Very cool. So before we get into our topic today, Terry, let's go into our marketing minute where I am going to talk about Calvin Klein as a brand and as a Twitter user, as an X user, I guess. Now, do you guys use Twitter often? At Charisma Q? Uh, we do use Twitter. Okay. Um, not our most prominent social channel, but sure. we do use Twitter. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Or X. So, X, right. <laughs> Gotta get used to that. <laughs> <laughs> so 70% of tweets by Calvin Klein's brand are actually questions. So when Twitter or now X revised their algorithm, they changed it so that one reply is worth 13.5 retweets and 27 likes. So replies are huge. And the number of views and impressions on Calvin Klein's tweets actually reflect that. So if you compare views from Calvin Klein to say like Ralph Lauren, Ralph Lauren uses a lot of statements, whereas Calvin Klein uses questions to really begin to engage with their audience. So for our listeners, whether or not your brand is actively tweeting, here's a lesson. Don't talk at your audience involve them. Even if you're not trying to beat the algorithm, consider your messaging. Are you talking at your customers or is it an active conversation that involves your listeners? Absolutely. It's all about engagement. 
It is. And that is where we get to move into the story of Charisma Q. Because Terry, I know that your coaches are expert question askers or mm-hmm. expert engagers <laughs> in that way. And one of the goals of Charisma Q is to really help leaders to build trust and influence and, and build on those relationships where they're at. So how do you begin to teach that? Oh, great question. So it starts with believing that charisma can be taught. And it also starts with believing that soft skills, specifically communication skills, are closely tied to your success and the future of work. So it starts with the belief system that you believe that charisma can be taught. And it can be. There's people that research it, make it their life's work to research charisma. There's a professor at Lucerne University in Switzerland who has made it his life's work to study charisma, and he's developed charismatic leadership tactics. So it's starting with that baseline and then really understanding the coaching member's baseline. So we have an evaluation that consists of 10 questions, Mm -hmm. and it also drives towards the six components of charisma. And those six components are your first impression, it's your delivery, it's your storytelling or your message alignment. So that's what we call the science of charisma, and we leverage AI to help measure that. Oh. And then the art of charisma is about your authenticity. Nobody likes to pack their personality away when they come to work. (laughs) So you need to be your authentic self. Very true. Not 100% your authentic self. So (laughs) let's just bring 80% to work. Right, right. (laughs) Uh, And then it's about empathy. And then what I call the bow on the charisma package is confidence. So once you've mastered all of those other components, you're just really confident in yourself and your message and the way that you communicate. So there is a bit of not just a bit, quite a bit of science behind teaching charisma. It's not sort of, well, it looks like you could sit up a little straighter or it looks like you should walk walk this way into a room. (laughs) Right, exactly, as we adjust our position here. (laughs) But, But there is a specific science to that. So how did you guys decide, you know, we we think we can make a business out of this and we think we can teach this? Yeah, another great question. It's really about studying a lot of the communication styles and studying a lot of the models and looking at what's being taught and then looking at future skills in terms of, you know, what are people saying that they need the most of and what are employers saying that they look for in potential employees. And, you know, AI is going to be a changing the way that we work. So it's really about understanding what's needed today and then what's needed in the future and then building a curriculum around that. So when you first had this idea to start Charisma Q, it was it was right during COVID, right? Or right before mm-hmm. some right in that time frame. Mm-hmm. So why was that a good time to get started in business? Well we're both in marketing. We have marketing backgrounds mm-hmm. and it's you're solving and sorry, I call it a bleeding neck problem. So you're so, like COVID suddenly made all these salespeople who we call outdoor cats mm-hmm. who are forced indoors. And so there's no more dropping by the office. There's no more steak dinners. There's no mm-hmm. more meeting on the golf course. It's all about how can I be engaging and productive on video and 
because your quota didn't change. Mm-hmm. Your expectations didn't change. Now it's just the way you engage and deliver has changed. So we taught sales teams how to improve their virtual presence. And some of our customers said, why did I travel three hours to go to that office when I could just like have a great video call? And you know what? My customer prefers that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And I think... I think when we reflect on how COVID changed us, and I even think like a marketing person, the way I work with salespeople is completely different. How often am I taking sales calls from my computer and now multiple sales calls a day comparing some of those different products, right? And I can get answers a lot faster. They're able to probably see that many more customers in a day because you can do it right on Zoom or right on Teams or whatever that platform is. Yeah. And research shows, and I think it's Gartner that said customers prefer digital interactions. 80% of customers prefer digital interactions as opposed to -to Mm face-to-face. Which is interesting because a lot of times customers, I think, are like, oh, I want that personal connection. And sometimes in the banking world, especially, we equate personal connection with having to be Mm face-to-face in person, not on video. So I feel like people don't think they can have that personal connection. But what you are teaching is you can, in fact, create personal connections via video, via Zoom right? Absolutely. It's charisma on all channels. And it's all about knowing your audience. So understanding the way that they like to communicate and then adapting to how they like to communicate. So if they prefer video interactions or video meetings, then that's how you're going to communicate with them. Mm -hmm. If they prefer email communication, you want to communicate in email. And it's just learning how to be the most effective communicator you can be regardless of the channel. Do you feel like you can bring charisma into an email? I do. You do? I do. (laughs) It's all about knowing your audience and Mm -hmm. what they're thinking, feeling, and doing. So if you're communicating to an executive, an executive likes bullet points, short, concise, and then you have to create intrigue with that subject line. Sure. And it's all about you language and really engaging. Mm -hmm. Including not talking at, right? Mm -hmm. Like we were just talking about. Absolutely. So what does a typical coaching session look like? Maybe it's not even typical, right? Because it's very individualized. It's not about, all right, we're going to go through this curriculum and it's the exact same for every person. So, mm-hmm. but, but if you had to categorize a typical coaching session, what does that look like? Yeah, it's really about the individual and it's about what's happening in their lives at that moment. And we have our curriculum and we use our curriculum, we call it like a GPS. So meaning we will talk about this. We will talk about personal branding in Mm -hmm. our fourth session with you if you don't come to the table with something that you want to work through. But typically the individual has something like, I want to start a podcast (laughs) or I want to be able to nail this next presentation or I've just been asked to speak on a panel. So a lot of our coaching sessions will help individuals with that event-based type of communication if they've been asked. Otherwise, the curriculum helps them just understand and know their personal brand and helps them understand how to communicate with authenticity and just a lot of like role play and practicing mm. as it relates to that. And you're right. It's not a curriculum that says this is week one and this is week five and these are the outcomes. It's really one size fits one. 
do you find that as you go through the coaching sessions, because it is, it's multiple, it's not just a single one mm-hmm. and then you're done, that people begin to be more engaged and really start to come with, okay, you know, this happened this week. How should I have handled that? Or how can I handle that in the future? Or, you know, did they begin to, to find those moments where the coaching just really, it's like, this is where I need it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And their coach becomes kind of their safe space. Mm. So a big part of our coaching, unlike some of the other companies that are out there, unlike some of the other software, is it's your session stays between you and your coach. And you are able to realize that is a safe space. And so a lot of times people will come to the table saying, I handled something this way. How should I have handled it? Or I don't like confrontation and I feel like I need to communicate better with this individual. How do I do it? And then it's practicing Mm -hmm. and then role playing and then understanding and then going back, trying it and then coming back to the next session, talking about how it worked. There's just it's so cool to see the excitement of like, I did the thing and then the thing worked. (laughs) Yeah, right. This happened. (laughs) That, that you definitely have to create a sense of psychological safety, I think, between coach and mentor and mentee, mentor, mentor. Yeah, I guess you could say, because I think role play is hard. It's anytime I've been in a situation where like, and now we're going to role play what we just learned. I'm like, can I go to the bathroom? Like, can I do something else? I don't want to do this. (laughs) So it's a very vulnerable moment. But when you have that much trust in the person that is helping you, I think it makes it a lot easier. And you are able to come and say, look, I don't think I did this as well as I should have. How do I lean on my strengths? How do I lean on the things that you and I have talked about and really implement them in real world situations. And I think you guys give people an opportunity to do that in such a safe space that they can really learn and grow. Absolutely. And it's the network effect of it too. So individuals can take this if they're leaders of teams and they learn something and they can take what they learned. And then it's like, train the trainer a little bit absolutely. in terms of, I learned this from my coach and now I'm going to go and like share this wisdom with my team. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's the network effect of, of that coaching session too. That's super valuable mm-hmm. for leaders. Have you ever had someone come in and say, you know what? I want to be, I want to be a manager. I, my goal is to get on the executive team someday. Is that sometimes what they come in with that sort of approach of like, help me learn those skills to get to that level? Absolutely. And what we do is we start with what we call a conquer plan. It's a development plan. Okay. And it's really understanding the why behind why they raise their hand for the coaching. And it's not where somebody says, a leader says, I want these five people to engage in this coaching session. It's an opt-in, which is very interesting. So we like to say, we don't want people to be voluntold that they're coaching. (laughs) We want people to volunteer. So they volunteer for very specific reasons. And it's, I want to get that promotion or I want to be seen by this group of executives and I feel like I'm not being seen right now. Or I just have a lot of respect and trust for my leader, my CEO, and I want to be noticed. Mm. 
So on the flip side of the individual sort of coming forward, you've also had clients who say, look, we want more women in leadership. Mm -hmm. How do we grow that group of employees? How do we give them the skills to get there? You've had clients come to you and say, okay, we know this coaching is valuable. Help us implement it. Absolutely. So we're working with a global company right now. Name of the company is Amran, and Amran has a directive in their strategic plan that they want a certain number of women globally in leadership roles by a certain date. And so we work with, her name is Jen Kilman. she's great, and we work, and she's a leader of talent development for Amran, and she's put together a leader development program. And what she's done is she's leveraged Charisma Q as that communication spoke in the wheel of that development program. So we're working on our second cohort. So it's women from all over the world. And now we're going to be working to plan our third cohort with them. So it's a year-long program. Okay. And then they graduate. And it's just fun to see, like, the accomplishment and what they've achieved through just facing their fears. Mm Mm-hmm. And gaining the confidence and owning their professional brand mm-hmm. and really establishing that executive presence. How do you define executive presence? Do you feel like there is a specific definition to it or is it kind of up to each individual? Mm, such a loaded question. <laughs> it's really interesting Because executive presence, you might think of somebody entering the room in Mm -hmm. a certain way, somebody talking at a certain volume, somebody exuding this massive amount of confidence and like people leaning in to be able to listen to him or her. And I think executive presence really needs to get a facelift. So I think in business, we need to understand what we need to do to play the game But especially as women, we need to figure out how do we change the game? Hmm. So how can we get people to look at executive presence differently? How can an introvert really come in and own the room and still be true to their brand and still be seen Mm -hmm. as an incredible leader? Right. And that really speaks to the authenticity Mm -hmm. that you were talking about before and, and looking at yourself and saying, my personal brand, my personality, it doesn't lend itself to the same presence as someone else. And so how do I show up and how do I continue to use my skills in a way that benefits this company, benefits, you know, my team, but also is true to who I am? Absolutely. And it ties back to your core values. So it's really understanding and defining those core values, like what's true to you, Mm -hmm. because if you know what your core values are, that's the way you're going to engage and interact with people. And if you're leaning into your core values every day, you're happier at work and you're communicating better because you just understand you're authentic to who you are Mm -hmm. and then you feel safe to be able to convey that to others. Absolutely. That's a huge part of it, I think. And while we're talking about women in leadership, women empowerment, I know that that's something that's very important to you personally. Mm-hmm. You're a female-led business, mm-hmm. right? And that that's a big part of your story as you guys started, right? Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So I, my career has been really interesting. Like just 
worked for a large global company for several years, learned so much about leadership and team management, worked for a smaller technology company, and then went to work for a software as a service or a SaaS-based interviewing technology company. It was a montage. It was the best ride of my career. It was so much fun. Learned so much, taught so much. It, the, like the leadership, like everything was kind of like that perfect snapshot in time. Mm-hmm. And the market thought we were great, too, because we were acquired by a private equity firm. And so after we were acquired, that changed a lot about the culture, about the dynamics, Mm -hmm. the leadership team change. We went from having 50% female women leaders to having no women leaders. Oh, wow. And so that really changed. And... What changed me and what made me want to start this company is I was a candidate for the CMO role. So what ended up happening is private equity firm bought us. We merged with another assessment company and we became one company. And then there's a CMO role available. And I honestly thought I was a shoe in for the role. Mm -hmm. Looked at my engagement scores, looked at my results, looked at team happiness, everything I thought I was going to get the job. And I didn't end up getting the job. And I had a choice to make then in there, right? So I could be like really upset and take this personal and or I could ask for feedback. I could understand more of the why behind why I didn't get the job. Mm -hmm. And then I can close those gaps. And I decided to ask for feedback to close those gaps and then to like never want to have this type of conversation again. Right. Mm -hmm. So I got myself a coach and then I worked on, on closing those gaps. And that's when I started to think about the whole notion of executive presence and Mm -hmm. the whole notion about, you know, how can I help more women step into who they are, especially in male dominated industries? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you, I didn't even realize that about your personal story, that everything you've put into Charisma Q, you have felt and gone through. And so you can really relate to the clients that you are serving. Absolutely. A hundred percent. So that's, that's what gets me out of bed every day. And that's what drives me is hoping more women Mm. can step into themselves and find their confidence and face their fears to pave the way for others. I bet that feels really good. Like you were talking about, you know, you're on your third cohort with a company and and you do this program for a year, sitting down with clients when that year is over and looking back at how far they've come and celebrating their successes. And that's got to feel amazing. It is. It really, (laughs) it really is. And we survey our members along the way too. So we want to make sure Like their coach is a good match for them. We want to make sure they're accomplishing their development goals and objectives. And we also survey the managers of those employees. So we may have a sponsor that oversees the entire program. Okay. But we also reach out to the managers to understand, are you seeing a change? Are you seeing what you had hoped to see when Mm -hmm. this individual enrolled in the program? And so we're getting that feedback along the way when at the end of the year, it's really about a celebration. It's about a celebration of individuals really being able to achieve their goals. 
that was going to be actually my next question is how do you start to measure the success? Is it more sales closed? Is it, you know, I've met my personal goal. Like what does that measurement look like? It's tough. For sales, it is tied to goals and it is tied to quota attainment. And we try to understand at the baseline where individuals are and then where they want to get to. And that's kind of how we map the coaching to help do that. As a matter of fact, one of our cohorts, one of the gentlemen just texted his coach saying, I just closed the biggest deal of my career. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And so those types of things are really easy to measure. But when you're talking about women empowerment or you're talking about somebody who just needs to, you know, gain that confidence to get to the next level, it's all about the manager assessment, the self-assessment. And are they happier at work? Are they more engaged? And are they accomplishing their goals? So it's it's a little bit subjective mm-hmm. in that regard. I can imagine that. I mean, the sales goals, that's a nice hard number to rely on. Mm-hmm. But you're also talking about building trust and soft skills. And that's definitely harder to measure. Like, right, like I had a better attitude or I, that's got to be difficult. But it sounds like you have quite a few things in place where you're not just interviewing the inv- individual. You're looking at the manager, you're looking at the team. And there's a lot that you're pulling in instead of just like one number to say, okay, now you're successful. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's about that feedback of Mm -hmm. the collective group. And it's also about our others kind of knocking at the door saying, I want to enroll in this program. And we have that as well. Like we see individuals enrolled in our program. We see them being successful. And then we see their colleagues looking at what they're doing and they want in, which Mm -hmm. is really exciting. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, in banking, we talk about how great a referral is. And it's exactly like that, right? It's like, this is so good. You've got to try it. Or you can actually see the change in me. And so now, you know, a colleague wants to do it too. Mm -hmm. Do you have clients that come to you as individuals or is it mostly businesses that say, hey, I want to have X number of employees go through this program? Yeah, we started as primarily B2B, so working with teams of individuals, and it it was the whole team-based learning approach, and then looking at individuals. We did say no to quite a few individuals because we said we're B2B, we work with teams of a certain size, and recently we made a pivot. And so we are working with a couple of channel partners, so we're working with a group called Women in Sales. And they're a community of about 15,000 women and growing. They've got over 2,000 individuals on their Slack community. And we've partnered with them to offer confidence coaching. So we built an all-women coach team. And we're going out to the market with individual coaching. And we're going to be launching another partnership with Women Impact Tech, which is another Okay community of about 14,000. And these are women who either are job seekers or they're actively employed in technical fields, software engineers, data scientists, that sort of thing. And then we're going out to help individuals. And then we just launched our B2C offering on our website this week. Oh, wow. So your question is very timely. (laughs) Well, congratulations. That's exciting. Thank you. So do you find that a lot of your clients tend to be female or or is it kind of across the board? 
It actually is across the board. Okay. We work with teams and we work with individuals. And the primary reason we work with them is because they believe charisma can be taught. Mm -hmm. They want to develop and grow and they want to achieve the next level. And so, and they want to make that commitment to be able to do that. It's kind of like joining a gym versus joining a gym and getting a personal trainer. You're making, you have that accountability partner. And so while we have these relationships and these partnerships with these women-led organizations, the distribution of our members is pretty much 50-50. Okay. Why do you think it is that women tend to, I mean, you obviously care very deeply about women leadership empowerment. Is it about creating the opportunity? Is it about instilling confidence? I mean, what is it that, that really drives that effort? I think it is really, it is about confidence and it is about facing your fears and just even thinking about how women play within organizations. And this is research that I remember from my old days at Montage in terms of like women versus men applying for jobs. Mm -hmm. Like research shows that men would apply for a job if they felt like they were 70 to 80% qualified Women would not apply for a job unless they felt like they were 100% qualified. So it's that fear of what if I don't get it? What mm-hmm. if I speak up and I'm not heard? And it's, it's the what ifs that are getting in the way a lot and prohibiting women from really leaning into themselves and, mm-hmm. and really growing in their confidence. Mm-hmm. I think that that's fascinating. I've heard that statistic before too. And even looking at myself and thinking through, you're right, unless I'm ready to do every single task, I don't know if I want to do it. (laughs) Yeah. And thinking back on my career too, and thinking about myself in meetings Mm -hmm. and thinking about how I presented an idea or something. Sometimes I would say, this may be crazy, but or this is just, and I'm like, oh, don't minimize what you're about to say with disqualifying it because mm-hmm. you're afraid that people might think it's a dumb idea. Right. Right. And a lot of times, and I'm guilty of this too, is, and you probably heard it in the podcast through our conversation today, <laughs> is up talk. So rising at the end of a sentence. So as women, Sometimes when we talk, we raise our voices and that diminishes the confidence in what you're saying. That's fascinating. And now I'm going to listen to everything I say. (laughs) Just like talking about filler words, right? Exactly. Exactly. So it feels more like a question when you go, is that what you mean? And so therefore there's a lot less confidence in it. And there's a lot less confidence in the listener. Yeah. Really comprehending what you're saying. Okay. Okay. Well, and I even think about it like an email. Sometimes you're like, all right, this is, this is what I think we should do. This is where I'd like to go. And you can be real directive in that. And then at the end, it's like, but whatever you think, <laughs> if it's okay with you, <laughs> mm-hmm. I have to go back and edit my emails. Did did I use conditional phrases? Did I say I would or I should or we should? Or did I say I think? Being able to go back and and eliminate that, use more direct terms and being able to really feel confident in Mm -hmm. what you said. Mm -hmm. 
I think sometimes when you are, and this may apply to both men or women, but when you're in a role that isn't necessarily leadership, sometimes those conditional phrases feel like you're being a little bit more respectful. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I think we should, with, but you really just need to put that confidence behind it. And say Absolutely. and own, you know, like mm-hmm. what I know and what I've researched and what I understand. And say, this is a good idea. This is something we should do. This is <laughs> that's hard to get rid of. <laughs> oh man! So tell me, what is next for Charisma Q? You just launched this new platform. That's pretty huge. We what did. else is going we on? Launched the platform. We have. We grew our bench of coaches. So we now have 15 coaches and growing. And some of these coaches are, they have their history in broadcast journalism or TV or radio. And so we have that group of coaches that we call them more of like the performance coaches. Okay. And then we have another group of coaches that have their own coaching business and who have come in as certified coaches. So we have a woman's leadership coach, and we have somebody that's a mental performance coach who's worked with a lot of athletes who just want to be able to expand their own influence and reach on others. And then we have this other group of coaches who have just grown through their career by coaching others and by leading others. And so industry experts, as it relates to in financial services or in the staffing industry and recruiting. So we, we have those functional experts as well. So we grew our coaching bench and now we're really looking at how can we create this marketplace and how can we create a system for individuals to go in and say, who is the best coach for me? This is what I want to accomplish. And so that's what we're working on for the future is really being able to create that matching and Mm -hmm. the ability for just like you can choose your doctor, you can choose your coach. That's fascinating. Well, and it it again speaks to looking at the person as an individual, looking at the company and Mm -hmm. saying, okay, how can we best serve your needs? And not every coach is going to be able to fulfill that. So you really have to find, like you said, the right match for the individual. Absolutely. So one more question before we go into our inspirational animal fact, (laughs) which I know you're excited about, (laughs) is, you know, for women in business, for women leaders who are listening, what's advice that you would give them if they sort of are feeling in that spot of either not being confident, not being heard? What would you say from your own experience, from being a Charisma Q coach, what is that thing that you would like them to know? The thing I would like them to know is don't try to do it all on your own. If you're feeling like maybe you're stuck, think about how can you get an ally? How can you get someone to be able to help you? How can you get a mentor or even getting a coach? And it's the whole concept of surrounding yourself with your own personal board of directors. Mm -hmm. So every CEO has a board, right? They have a board of directors. So why shouldn't you as an individual treat yourself like your own CEO and get the help that you need to help you advance your career? That's excellent advice, especially because I think sometimes as women, we we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to do it on our own. Mm-hmm. You know, what in whatever role you're in, if you are wife, mother, employee, whatever that is, I think sometimes we look at it as like, I've got to do this. Mm-hmm. Forget to ask for that 
help and assistance and support when we need it. Absolutely. All right. If that wasn't inspirational enough, Terry, <laughs> we're going to do our inspirational animal fact. So as you know, Horicon Bank is the natural choice for banking. And that's not just a tagline. It is a commitment to being environmentally friendly, supporting environmental causes. So in that spirit, I'm going to give you an interesting animal fact that I'd like you to turn into a piece of inspirational advice for business owners. Are you ready? Do my best. <laughs> so here's my fact. It is about a dog. A dog's nose print is so unique that it can actually be used as identification, kind of like our fingerprints. Interesting. <laughs> Think about your personal brand as your dog's nose print. It is unique to you and people buy from you. So put your nose print on everything. <laughs> <laughs> on the windows, on the door. <laughs> I love that. Put your nose print on everything. <laughs> TM. <laughs> All right. Before we end the show, Terry, I want to wrap up with actionable advice. And you have given that throughout this episode. But is there one thing that you hope listeners could hear today, take away, take right into their workplace and put into action? Find your confidence, face your fears, and be your authentic self. That is awesome. Thank you so much for coming on Banking on Business today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in. To stay in the loop on all things banking on business related, visit horiconbank.com slash banking on business and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.